0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking upside and safety targets around 8, 9, and 10 of 2022 drafts on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. Back with an extension of the topics we talked about earlier in the week. Unfortunately, uh, we were not able to follow the plan, and Curtis was not able to record with me tonight. But that gave me ample opportunity here to continue along with the exercise that we went through on the episode that published Thursday morning. Now, if you did not listen to that, I'm gonna give a quick refresher of what we talked about in that episode. But before we do that, it's time for us to get into today's FFPC stat attack. And like we did earlier in the week, the purpose behind this stat attack will come clear um, after we get through today's agenda. But the stat attack is if you go into the Rotoviz projections, my projections, and you look up Traylon Burks, you will see him at wide receiver 27. If you were to go into the NFL player stat explorer and you were to search for. A.J. Brown, and you look at the workload that he had last year, you would see it would be number 21 among wide receivers in expected points per game. You would see that he was number 32 in overall targets. And you would then look at, in a separate tool here, if you look at the ADP for Trelon Burks, you would see that he's going as the wide receiver 47 in round nine. That's our quick stat attack. I want to float out those numbers, let you think about that a little bit. And then we will be talking more about Burks later on in this episode. So again, as always, make sure that you go out to myffpc.com, sign up for the main event. Sign up for the football guys, players, championship leagues, the best ball tournaments, RotoViz, triflex, dynasty leagues, and everything else that they have going on over there at myffpc.com. All right, so the exercise that we ran through earlier this week was going round by round, and in each round, identifying the player that, in my perspective, carried the most upside into the season. And I made the clarification that the way I view upside and I would posit that people that are playing fantasy football should think about upside is that upside is not the max output that you think a player could score in a season. It is their highest concentration of their distribution that gives you a reasonable chance of expecting that outcome to occur. So said differently, if player A could, in maybe one out of a 100 scenarios, you think they could score 300 points, but behind that, the next highest number where you get over 10 outcomes uh, is like 200. I would argue that their upsides not as good as a player whose highest, outcome that maybe would happen one time is at like 260 but you could see you would speculate that maybe if the season happened 100 times 20 of those times they'd be at like 245 that is how i view upside i don't think it makes sense to view it as just in the absolute 100 best case scenario Where would this player land? Because we know that the absolute 100% best case scenario is really only going to manifest for a handful of players each year. So if you're using that as the way that you target upside, you're going to, the decisions that you're making off of that are not going to very likely in the end have the proper influence from those because you're likely going to be wrong a lot. Uh, whereas if you think about that high-end distribution that makes more sense, you're probably going to get things right with more of these players when you're going after upside. I wrote an article about that a number of years ago. You can find it. I think it's titled something just like, are we thinking about upside incorrectly? Something to that effect. So that's one of the things we're doing in this uh, in this exercise. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about here was looking for guys that are safe, which is the other side of the coin. I apologize if you already listened to me earlier in the week and we talked about this. But to me, a safe player isn't necessarily one that you can just project for volume or that's on a team where you think they're going to get some requisite amount of work so that they don't become, you know, entirely devoid of scoring in a year. To me, safety comes from a player having what you feel to be a confident ability in accurately projecting a reasonable range of outcomes for that player. And then you can contrast that with where they are going in the draft. Uh, So there might be a player that you think is on a team where they're, yes, they're going to be involved. They're going to get some level of points. um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe. You'd have to also have a handle on what that range of outcomes look like looks like, so you can consider that when you're also selecting them in the draft. I think I did a better job of explaining that on Thursday, but again, this is a refresher here. So we're going to go rounds eight, nine, and 10 using FFPC redraft ADP. I will read the names for each round. I'm probably not going to limit myself to just one answer here. Cause I do want to be able to talk about a number of players as we work our way through this episode, and I'm going to try not to use quarterbacks, but I can tell you there's one that I think is going to be worth mentioning. All right. Round eight would start off with Joe Burrow, Miles Sanders. Uh, you got Pierce, the back out of Houston, who I already saw some highlights from tonight um, on Twitter. Uh, Hunt um, from Cleveland, Devonta Smith, Kadarius Tony, Singletary, uh Patterson, Rashad Penny, Dawson Knox, Cook, and Woods. James Cook, that is. Uh, And then Robert Woods. So out of that group, and we've reached the point now where it starts to get harder and harder to actually pinpoint down some of those guys that you would say are easier to project or that you're more confident in building the range of outcomes than others. But I actually zoned in here as I thought about it on Devonta Smith and Dawson Knox. Devonta Smith looks like he's going to be the clear number two option in his offense. Had a decent initial campaign in the NFL. If you look at his range of outcomes as built by the range of outcomes tool, it has him in a range around wide receiver 40. Uh, My subjective projections, I think have him around uh, somewhere in the wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 36 range. This lines up with where his ADP is. If you are trying to think about what low end scenarios could look like, uh, in my opinion, they're well, actually I guess that doesn't even really matter. Um, but just to give you seeing as we're talking about him, I, I will read off here. The range of outcomes tool has his distribution largely concentrated uh, by uh, between around 5 to 17 fantasy points per game, but most of it really is around that, his highest peak is around uh, 10 points per game, followed by players hovering around that 15 points per game type of range. And when I think about the way I would expect this offense to operate, it seems like that spot is very reasonable. Now, Dawson Knox, we did talk about, and everybody has talked about this, that there certainly could be touchdown regression coming for him. And the range of outcomes tool does not love him this year. Um, Obviously picking up on the idea that when it's building these comps, the touchdown numbers tend to regress. There's extreme efficiency last year, gets matched with efficient players. We don't see that efficiency tend to carry. But at the same time, he still finishes in a decent range for tight ends. My projections don't have Knox looking like a top seven tight end. But as you do sit there and you think about Buffalo, there is going to be The opportunity, and we've seen them use him in that way, that he's still going to get some touchdowns. Very important for the tight end position. Solid offense. He should still remain involved. It's not looking like OJ Howard's going to be a threat. So when you start thinking about selecting him there in comparison to guys like Miles Sanders, big question is what that breakdown could be between Sanders and Gainwell. That could really shift things. Pierce, obviously a rookie running back. In an offense like Houston, there's a lot of things in flux there. I don't think you can confidently project what that's going to look like. We can take guesses, but we don't really have a great handle on what that range of outcomes looks like. Kareem Hunt, there's a little bit of uncertainty there, uh, but I think more he might be more projectable than some of these other backs. Devin Singletary and James Cook, they are both in this round. I think that speaks for itself. Uh, Rashad Penny, have to see how things shake out in Seattle. So I think you see what I'm getting at here. Then Cordero Patterson, you know, questions there. Robert Woods, perhaps you could try to make a case for. Uh, New team, more or less here. Uh, New look for how things are going to operate in Tennessee. I think my piece is said there. What you might be more interested in, though, is who is the upside guy in this grouping? And keeping in mind that what we're talking about here is the reasonable upside that they could realize. And I think that you could actually make a compelling case for Dawson Knox because we have the potential here for Buffalo's offense to continue to remain really solid and put him in positions where all he really has to do is score touchdowns and perhaps that regression doesn't come. So I actually think there's some upside there. And I know Curtis and I have talked about the fact that you're probably not drafting Dawson Knox this year um, as a tight end that you're expecting to compete to get past guys like George Kittle Uh, or Darren Waller but I guess my advocacy would be here is that if you're navigating your draft and there isn't necessarily a compelling reason that you have to go for a running back and you're looking for a player that has some upside you actually almost in my mind get some of that safety I've talked about and
0: upside at the same time Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And then it's hard to make a huge case here for Singletary or Cook uh, to be able to really run away with things and have a tremendous amount of upside when not only are they competing with each other, there's also Zach Moss in the mix. There's Josh Allen potentially running for touchdowns, but I do think that they carry some upside for sure. Uh, But it's interesting that here we're talking about three players on Buffalo, but I think the fact that they're both in this round kind of does provide some evidence that it's a little bit murkier with the two of them. Um, You are completely welcome to, Disagree with me here. Um, And like I've said, I don't think that me landing on one or two players here is the entire value of this exercise. You could come away with your own conclusions. You could disagree with me, but I think it's a useful exercise as you're getting ready to enter your drafts here. All right. We move into round nine with Traylon Burks, Tom Brady, Pat Fryermuth, Melvin Gordon, Tyler Lockett, Chris Olave, Cole Komet, Kenneth Walker, Russell Wilson, Sky Moore, Damian Harris, and Trey Lance. Now, I said I would leave the quarterbacks out. Um, obviously, you would have, I would imagine that you're a little bit more confident in saying what Tom Brady's range of outcomes is going to look like than you would in saying what a player like. Uh, Damian Harris's could look like or Melvin Gordon. Maybe you could make the case that Tyler Lockett's is a little bit more projectable because he's probably going to be trash this year. Sorry, Curtis. Um, but no, I think the direction that I would take this is I actually think that you have, I personally have the best feel on where Cole Komet should finish approximately this year. Now, the range of outcomes tool has him very low in tight end scoring, which makes sense when you think about many of the stages of his first two years in the NFL. Uh, one thing probably worth highlighting, and I know that it can be very dangerous to look at first half, second half splits, try to extrapolate the second half to the entirety of the upcoming season. Um, that does not always work out. In fact, more often than not, that's a great way of doing things. But I do think that with the way that Chicago worked last year, it is notable that we saw his targets per game go up by about two in the back half of the season, which translated into an extra two receptions per game. And I think that we saw commit emerge in a as a different piece of that offense last year, which we can expect to continue forward this year. And it's really looking like, as far as the passing game goes, it's going to be Komet and Mooney. And then, sure, there's room for another player. Maybe it's Velas Jones. Who knows who it is to step up and get involved. But I see Komet as somebody that could flirt with that very low-end tight end one type of spot, but probably finish somewhere between tight end 12 to tight end 16. I have a much easier time saying that I'm confident in that projection than trying to pretend that I know the parameters of what things could look like for Kenneth Walker, who looks like could be dealing with some injury concerns right now is going to be repeating Rashad Penny in this offense that no longer has Russell Wilson. Um, Damien Harris, it's hard to know what that breakdown between him, Ramondre Stevenson, and any other running back on the team could look like. And I think that we could go through more of these examples uh, for these other players. Now, the other name I'll throw out here, possibly, Traylon Burks. We talked about him at the top of the show. He's going as wide receiver, 47. Is he a one-for-one replacement for A.J. Brown? Probably not. Um... But I'm not making an upside case here. I'm just considering Traylon Burks believing that he is a very good prospect coming into an offense that's going to need to rely on him. They made that trade. They're going to need for him to be involved this year. I think that Tennessee is going to be a team that's still planning to compete. And as a result of that, it's going to be very hard for Burks to not have a range of outcomes Or let me say it differently, it's very hard for me to imagine a range of outcomes where Burks struggles to at least approximate that ADP, if not outplay it. The question really is, is just how high is the upside? But since we are framing things through a lens of safety also here, I think it's okay to not have as great of a handle on exactly how many scenarios he absolutely crushes because we know that at the very least, I can't say we know, we feel confident that at the very least, the bottom portions of his distribution should justify his ADP. And it feels to me, if we remove injuries or other things that there's no way we could account for in the beginning of the season, um, it's the the amount of questions or holes that you could poke in the case for him are less than with these running backs. And then you're looking at another rookie wide receiver like Sky Moore, uh, a lot more moving parts in that offense in Kansas City. Same thing with Olave. I mentioned Locket. It's hard to know what's going on. So that would be my pick there. So we said uh, Komet. <laughs> well, Okay. Uh, the, the name I do have to mention here, and I'm actually kind of thinking that what I'm saying here is I think that Traylon Burks is one of the, the backup answer I would give for the safety piece. And then also the upside piece too, because I don't think that the running backs are going to be able to run away with things. As I said, with the receivers, it's hard to imagine them, um, really being able to control the most important share of their offense in the passing game which would bring us to burks but i do think it's notable that the trey lance upside though i've been undecided on what to do with trey lance at different points it's been hard to deny what could be there from an upside perspective with what could be a tremendous rushing quarterback playing in an offense that uh you know looks like it could function nicely and it's possible he's a competent passer so uh, I do think that I need to toss that name out. All right, round 10. We have, I'm going to read this in order here because um, you'd have the reversal on this round. Dak Prescott, Chase Claypool, Kenneth Kenneth Gainwell, Naheem Hines, Daryl Henderson, Rashad White, Rondale Moore, Alexander Madison, George Pickens, Isaiah Pacheco, Russell Gage, Albert Akui Boonham. So from a safety perspective here, I actually think Chase Claypool is the one that you can feel most confident in that range of projections and knowing where that's likely to fall. Now he has an ADP of wide receiver 48. If you look in my subjective projections, he comes out around 40 or 41 at the wide receiver position. That is factoring in the fact that you do have George Pickens there. Range of outcomes gets him in a similar spot. And I think that it's going to be hard to have Claypool move too far ahead of that. But at the same time, I don't really see a tremendous amount of scenarios where he gets outplayed by Pickens and Deontay Johnson to a degree that it strips him out of consideration for landing in that wide receiver 48 range. And I don't think that the quarterback play, as we've talked about at nauseum on this show, is giving me any concerns about Claypool being able to approximate that. So I think he would be my pick from the safety perspective. From the upside perspective, I have to go with the two rookie backs here. Uh, I think it's pretty evident why. Uh, now, trying to tease out which one of them has more upside, it's very hard to say. Um, I guess... That you could point to Kansas City and Pacheco, or Paseco, sorry, Paseco, I believe is how you announce it. still getting these pronunciations down. Um, I think that you could make a stronger case for him given that we haven't seen Edward Delair really been able to put things together for long stretches for Kansas City, and then it's looking like Ronald Jones. Might be on the bubble. Gore is dealing with some issues right now. You still have Jared McKinnon. I think some people might have an easier time or an easier might be easier for them to imagine him ascending to that role given the way hype has been building. Um, but White, I think, could have a lot of value even if Leonard Fournette who it's harder to say those things that I said about a layer. You don't really think you can apply those to Fournette. I think that you could see the scenario though, where white is able to be a, a role player in this offense, which translates to points even with Fournette there. Um, but I think it's, it's hard to break the tie between these two guys, but I do think that they both carry an amount of upside into drafts. Having said that though, I much prefer going after white in round 10. And that is because in that backfield I think he's more positioned to be able to get the type of work that allows you to outplay being a running back 43 uh without needing injury to the player ahead of him. Um you could argue over which player would have a higher maximum upside given the perfect storm for them in that season. Uh, But from a drafting perspective here with the way that I'm framing upside, I I give a slight edge to white, but I could see how that might be a toss up for some. All right. Uh, um, Excuse me. That brings us to the end of this episode. Hopefully we can get Curtis back next week. As I always say, send in those bold predictions. If there's any topics you want us to cover or questions that you have, Please send those in. I hope that you all have a great weekend, that you crush some drafts if you're in them, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.